0: Baruch Hashem. It's a glorious day, beautiful day. Thank God for this day, the day that He has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem indeed. We are in Shir Hashirim, going through the, uh, the Megillah, as it were. Just as a reminder that Shir Hashirim, as we said in the introduction of this series that we're doing, that it is the Holy of Holies. This, this Megillah is the Holy of Holies. It is allegorical. It has very deep insights to it. That um, The point being is that we, we, that's why we derive so many things from it. Because there's such deep insights in Shira And so as we're going through this, understand that's, that this is really a, a love song between us between Jews, between Israel and Hashem, and that uh, this particular song is taking us beyond the veil, as it were, into the, uh, the throne room of God. So let's say our Baraka and get right into our, our uh, verses today of Shir Asherim, the Song of Songs. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with His commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah, Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and the mouth of your people, the house of Israel. May we and our offspring, and our offspring's offspring, and our os- the offspring of your people Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, I who teaches Torah to his people, Yisrael. In the Megillah blessing. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech asher ki b'mitzvot al-mikra Megillah. Blessed are you, our God, King of the Universe who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us regarding the reading of the Megillah. Amen. Megillah Shir hashirim. Yes, praise Adonai. So we have this week's reading is begins in chapter 3 and verse 7. Chapter 3 and verse 7 through chapter 4, verse 5. Chapter 3 and verse 7, it says... I'm going to begin... I'm going to jump back... Oh, slicker, slicker! Made such a noise. There's such an anointing on it. There you go. <coughs> heavy truth. Yes, heavy truth indeed. <laughs> I'm going to jump back one verse because Bizarroch and we're going to come back to this verse later. But it says in verse 6, You nations have asked, Who is this ascending from the desert, this way secured and smoothed by palm-like pillars of smoke? burning fragrant myrrh and frankincense of all the perfumer's powders. Behold the resting place of him to whom peace belongs with 60 myriads of Israel's mighty encircling it, all of them gripping the sword of tradition, skilled in the battle of Torah, skilled in the battle of Torah, each with his sword ready at his side, lest he succumb in the, in the night of exile, lest he succumb, In the night of exile, a tabernacle for his presence as the king to whom peace belongs made of the wood of Lebanon, its pillars he made of silver, his resting place was gold, its suspended curtain was purple wool, its mist was decked with implements bespeaking love by the daughters of Ushalayim. Go forth and gaze, O daughters, distinguished by loyalty to God upon the king to whom peace belongs adorned with the crown of his nation made for him adorned with the crown his nation made for him on the day his law was given and he's become one with israel and on the day his heart was gladdened by his tabernacle's consecration chapter four behold You are lovely, my friend. Behold, you are lovely. Your very appearance radiates dove-like constancy. The most common sons with your encampments are dearly beloved as the children of Jacob in the goat-like procession descending the slopes of Mount Gilead. (laughs) Accountable indeed are your fiercest warriors like a well-numbered flock come up from the washing, all of them unblemished with no miscarriage of action in them. Come up from the washing is a reference to the Red Sea with no blemish is a reference to the fact that (laughs) When we received the Torah, when the Torah came down the first time, blind eyes were opened, deaf ears were opened, the mute could speak, the lame could walk, the sick were healed. No, no, y'all are asleep. I said when when the Torah came down the first time, blind eyes were opened, deaf ears were opened. The mute could speak, the lame could walk, and all those who were sick were healed. So when Yeshua is asked by the disciples of Yochanan, I won't do it a third time, but (laughs) when he's asked by the disciples of Yochanan, are you the one or should we wait for another? When he says, the deaf hear, the blind see, and the lame walk, people say he was referencing Isaiah, yes, and he was referencing Sinai. (laughs) Are you the one, or should we wait for another? No, no, the tablets came down the first time, and I I did what I'm doing now. Now I've come back, and I'm doing the same thing I did before, which is another lesson for us, that when God comes, he doesn't change what he did before, because Hashem doesn't change. There's no shadow of turning in him whatsoever. So it says, continuing on here, Uh, verse three, it says, like a scarlet thread, guarantors of Rahab's safety is the sincerity of your lips and your word is unfeigned. As many as pomegranate seeds are the merits of your unworthiest within your modest veil. Did you catch that? As many as the pomegranate seeds are the merit of your unworthiest Within. The most unworthy in the covenant has more merits than the seed of a of a pomegranate. So we're all
1: fruits. <laughs>
0: so as stately as the Tower of David is a side of your Sanhedrin built as a model to emulate with thousands of shields of Torah armor hung upon it Torah armor. Torah armor. <laughs> The armor, the Torah is our weapon, our shield, and our armor. Seemed like I read that before in a letter. Yes. <laughs> All the disciples filled quivers of the mighty, the disciples, the, those, those people who, I'm, when I say those people, I'm talking about you and I, those of us who study the Torah and are disciples of Mashiach. We are quivers, or excuse me, we are arrows in the quiver. Of the Holy One, blessed be He. So, someone says, Well, who? The word of God is a sword, yes, and we're the arrow. Which is why, by the way, one of the words for praise is Yada, which happens to be why Mikael and Dorothy named their daughter Jada. It is. It's related to Yada, which means praise. And that word is actually an archery term that means to shoot like an arrow. So, when we give praise to God, we are actually launching arrows into the enemy's camp this is why it's so important to praise in times of distress this is why it's important to praise in times of hardship and someone says well you know you, you know things aren't going well in your life so what, what's the smile are you trying to put on a facade no i'm shooting arrows into your camp sucker yeah. <laughs>
1: fiery
0: they are fiery arrows because of the Lapide arrows Sucker is a Hebrew term. (laughs) That's right. Moses and Aaron are your two sustainers. They're like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, who graze their sheep, who graze their sheep in rose-like bounty. So looking back here at verse 7, just to go through each verse and kind of pull out some insights, as it were, we look at chapter three and verse seven, and it, it says, "In the in the literal translation of chapter chapter verse seven, rather, is behold the couch of of Shlomo, sixty valiant men are around it, of the value of the men of Israel." In this context, Shlomo here does not refer to the to King Shlomo, but rather the king from whom peace emanates, the king who from whom. Peace emanates. His name, one of the names of God is Shlomo. One of the names of God is, Sh- is Shalom. One of the names of God is Sar Shalom. Oh, it is. Someone says, we know we're supposed to greet each other in God's name, and, and we're not doing that because we're not, we're not d- pronouncing a divine name, which no one knows how to pronounce. But I would say, yes, we do. Every time we say Shalom to someone, we are, we are, we are greeting them. In the name of the king of kings, blessed be he. The couch being spoken of here is the ark. It's the or and or the base of Middash. The ark and in the, in the base of Middash. Ma'am Loez writes 60 valued men and pro- they protect the Jewish people like a strong wall. Meaning Ma'am Loez says that that particular phrase, 60 valiant men are around it. Uh, the the value of the men of Israel, it's like a a, a strong wall, that Ma'am Loez says there are 60 letters in the priestly blessing. And as a result, that when we speak the priestly blessing, that we are putting walls, we're putting walls around The people of Israel we become like a strong wall. Behold, God is my strong tower. The 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 strong tower of Hashem is the word of God. Remember, we just got through reading the word of God, the scripture of God. The reason it's important to learn Torah and to live Torah is because Torah is is our sword, it's our shield, and it's our armor. And ultimately, when we learn it, we become a projectile. We become the spear or the or the or the arrow anyway and by the way but the 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 point the way in which we become an arrow we become and by the way an, an arrow is an active weapon the sword can be an active weapon too it can be a weapon of attack but most certainly the arrow the 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 archer is a a point of attack it's much more for attack than it is defense Hashem wants us to be proactive in our attack in the enemy's camp we're supposed to go and take ground not just sit around and 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 defend our ground as one military tactician said many many years ago the best defense is a strong offense that's the best defense we got to keep the enemy on his heels which is why that we're emphasizing this year outreach and inreach and ownership we're emphasizing especially outreach because outreach helps us to get out we have we, ha- we have to go outside our tent we have to go outside of ourselves we have to go outside of our comfort zone we have to go outside of the proverbial what's in it for me concept and take a look around and say what- what's in it for me it's not about me <laughs> i was hired in the field to go to work not to sit at the bar and take drinks you know, Yeshua went out, he said the king went out and said, How come you're not working in my field? No one's hired me yet. Well, come work for me for a dinar. What about you? How come no one's hired me? Come on. But when you got to the field, you were expected to go work in the field, not sit around and go, Wow, this is nice.
1: <laughs>
0: this nice field. Hey Charlie, you going to work? Oh good. No, I'm good. I'm just I'm just gonna. i got an hour coming because what happens is then then what happens when we're not busy working for a shim we then we start looking around and go "My, my bed could be nicer this food could be better man how come they don't clean those windows up there what's their problem you start noticing everything about you why because you're not working for him See, because when you're working, you you don't have you're not you're too busy to notice that stuff. Yeah, w- right. Windows, grab a box, man. You know what it's like when you're working hard. You don't have time for all that kind of stuff. Sweat dripping down your face. You're just ready. You, give me something to drink. What do you want? I something to drink. Right. That's, how, that's what Abraham was all about. Abraham in this Torah portion was all about the kingdom of God. Go find a wife for my son. Why? Because he wanted to have grandchildren? No, because he wanted the mission to continue. And by the way, Isaac wasn't all, all panting for a wife. Here, here comes beautiful Rebecca. Here she comes and eliezer meets because the, the sage because eliezer went ahead and, and rebecca was following so eliezer had reported to isaac all the miracles by the way we read about the woman at the well and she said to yeshua you don't have uh anything to draw with and the water the well is deep meaning you got to put that thing all the way down how are you going to reach it well you know that yeshua was sitting there thinking oh my daughter don't you know that when Rivka went to the well, the water came up to meet her? Yeah. Yeah. So he probably took her, her little cup and went.
1: <laughs>
0: but the point is that, that Eliezer goes over to Isaac and tells him all the miracles. And all, I mean, I mean, and for, for, for the first thing, if you listen to, the, uh, to the, read the Torah portion of the commentary, you find out that, when Eliezer started out on his journey, supernaturally, he, he had warp engines on his camel. He went right from where he was that same day right to the well. That's why he said, this day she came out. Meaning, I just, I, I got on the camel and bam, I was there. And there she is. And before I even, even finished speaking, here she comes. And all these miracles. And Isaac was going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And by the way, my master, yes, she's, she's a looker. Okay. Mm, yeah, she's, she's good looking. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you. Can you come into my mother's tent, please? Um, you're, you're beautiful, and there's lots of miracles preceding you and all that, but I need you to light Shabbat candles. I'll be back in a week. She lights the candles. He comes back. She's still in the tent. Camel, candles are still lit. Hala's still blessed. Shekinah's over the tent. He's like, now you're my wife. Because you know why? Because Isaac said, listen, I'm a living sacrifice, and this isn't really about me. This is about what Hashem wants to do through me. Because, Because I've been sacrificed with Mashiach. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Mashiach who lives in me. The life I now live, Rebecca, is the life that I live because he loved me. So you're beautiful, and there's lots of anointing on you but I needed to see if, you were, if your fire was the fire of my ema. And that's what we have to understand. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for that level of connection to Hashem. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, literally, all of them gripping the sword. Say gripping. 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 Now, if you've ever gripped something, that doesn't mean like you're, you're casually holding it, but you're gripping it. you got a kung fu grip on that thing <laughs> Gr- all of them gripping the sword one of my favorite stories as i said uh, a while back is the story of nehemiah and nehemiah they were trying i love i guess because i love this story is because i relate to it they were trying to rebuild the walls of jerusalem that if you think about it this is a lapid story right we have the uh, hanukkah coming up the party it's uh, the Festival of Lightsabers, a Hanukkah story. <laughs> well, the, the rebuilding of the wall is a lapid story because Nehemiah was broken down himself when he learned that the walls of Jerusalem lay in shambles and there's not anybody doing anything about it. And by the way, there's Jews in the land, but nobody's doing anything about it. The Jews had already been allowed to come back, but nobody, they were just there and nobody's rebuilding the walls. So Nehemiah says, what's wrong with everybody? So he goes and he starts to rebuild the walls. And here comes the enemy. The enemy says, stop doing what you're doing. And they start to try to cause trouble. So what does he tell? He says, I need everybody to work and put a brick with one hand and keep a sword in your other hand. Wow. And that's how they did their work. Brick with one hand, sword in the other we have to keep, we have to do the work of, of Hashem with one hand and keep the sword of Torah in the other hand. Because the enemy is gonna to come to, he's gonna come along and he's gonna continually try to break down our walls. Right. He's gonna continually try to tear up. Because the last thing that the enemy wants is the walls of Jerusalem to be built up. You know why? Because what came after the walls of Jerusalem was the building of the second temple. Oh. This is why the, the the this is why the prophet said, you'll be called repairers of the breach. Because what we're doing right now is we're repairing the breach, ba- walls broken down, streets that need to be repaired, dwellings that hadn't been dwelled in. That's what we're doing here right now. Why? Because we're preparing for the rebuilding of the third temple. Our job is to rebuild the walls. And so the, the, it says, gripping the sword, seasoned and skills of war, every man's sword upon his thigh because of the terror in the night. We have to be gripping the sword, and we have to be seasoned. We have to be seasoned. How do you season a pan? You you, 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 you take a pan, and the way that you season, at least the way that we've seasoned our iron skillets, is you put oil in them. You know the oil of the Ruach HaKodesh? And you stick it in a hot, hot oven, and you let that sucker burn. And it's... And do you know that the iron, the word sucker in Hebrew is being used a lot today. <laughs>
1: in
0: the south, we say sucker. Nice. That's, that's Sephardic. Nice. <laughs> but you let, that, you let that skillet burn. And, and, and you know the skillet's not enjoying it, mm-hmm. but it's seasoning it. Okay. To season it, you've got to, Hashem's got to burn some stuff off of us. And the way that we burn stuff off of us, we get into the Torah. And a lot of, some people make the mistake of they get in there and they, they try, 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 and they fail, 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 and they give up. But the point is you never give up. The enemy cannot win if you will never quit. That's, listen, that's how Rocky beat Apollo Creed. Come on, you've seen it. That's a holy movie. They say, ding, ding, <laughs> and Rocky got up, and Creed went, because uh, he wouldn't give up. When the enemy hits you, you've got to get up, and don't give up. Sword here is Torah, thigh represents circumcision. When we have the Torah that is coupled with, a, circumcision is not metaphoric. It's, it's literal, but but metaphorically we could say that we have the Torah coupled with our covenant. Coupled with our covenant, this is why the sage is right and say if your heart is not right, if if you if your heart is not right, then then Torah is going to become a poison to you. But if your heart is right, then Torah will become an elixir elixir for you. This is why I said last week, and I'll repeat it again. This is why Batya's class on Musar is so important. It's really not a women's class. I mean, women are there, but it's really not a women's class. You really, everybody needs to get that book, Everyday Holiness, and you need to spend time in it every single week. And, not, and the class is, is finite. It's going to end at some point. But the study of Musar never ends. We're constantly working. And once you think you've got, you know, well, I've got that me dealt down, and you move on to the next one, great. You're going to come back to that original one at some point and polish it up ma'am loez says thus armed with the double merit of torah study and fulfillment of the commandment of circumcision they are protected against the perils of evil which lurk in the night hagiga 14a says mighty man refers to masters of traditions man of war refers to one who knows how to dispute in the warfare of torah that is He knows how to deal in the arguments essential to Torah study, a keen-minded learner. We have to be skilled. We have to know. This is why the apostle Shaul wrote in his letter to his congregation, and he encouraged them to be able to give an answer when somebody asks of you. We need to be able to give an answer. And if we say to ourselves, well, if somebody really asked me about this or about that, I'm not sure what I would say. Great. Whatever that is, go study it. And be prepared because I guarantee you that somebody's going to walk up to you and say, can you answer this for me? Every, and you can't always say, go ask rabbi, go ask rabbi. Go, I can't, there can't be a line of 100, 200, 300 people. You're a lapide as well. You need to be out there. and You're out there looking for kosher beans. And someone says, excuse me, can I ask you, what's that thing on your head? You need to ask the rabbi. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. I love that. I'm, not, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to embarrass you, but it's beautiful. What do you What do you call it? And why do you wear it? I, I, I don't know. I, tradition. Tradition. <laughs> I don't know. Why do you wear shoes? I don't know. Really, I don't know. <laughs> you know. And if you don't know, you need to study. You need to ask Reverend Scene or whatever. You know, you need to find out. <laughs> Hard scroll says. They are, they are all equipped for, for the battles of life. I love this. They're all equipped for the battles of life. You know, the sad reality is we're going to have battles in life. I don't like it. Nobody likes it. If, if anybody wants to sit on the beach, put their, kick their legs up and have a pina colada, that's me. Man, listen to the, you know, sitting by the dock of the bay. Letting time roll away. That's me. That was for you. But the reality reality is is that battles are going to come, fights are going to come. And you need to have an arsenal to dip your hand into. You need to have, this is why we come to show, by the way. I used to say years and years ago, I had a sign. I'm not sure what happened to it. We had a sign, it was like a poster, and I said that, that this is a place where warriors come to polish their shields. We come together, and what happens is, is that we're polishing our shields. That's right. We're sitting around sharpening our swords. Someone's walking over to you, and you've been hurt, you took a, you took a hit, they're dinging out your armor. Repainting it. Putting your, put your seal back on it. Putting your Magan David back on it. That's what we need. That's what we need. And that's why we come, that's one of the main reasons why we come to Shul. This is why, again, just, you know, the, uh, the uh, letter of, uh, to the Hebrews talks about that. It says that in the, as the time is growing near, do not forsake the coming together of yourselves. Because we spur each other on to love and to good works. We spur each other on. Listen, there's times where you just come in and somebody can pick you up with a spatula. But you need somebody with a spatula to pick you up. The worst thing you can do is you're feeling down and feeling, feeling like the fire's gone out or going out, the worst thing you can do is stay home. That's the worst thing you can do. Let me tell you something. The enemy wants you to stay home. You say, I don't feel, I, they don't love me up there, and my spark is not really burning. And the enemy says, stay home.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I'm not going to go up to anywhere. All those people are mean to me, and I'm talking to me, and I'm not feeling good. And, and so you say, I'm just going to stay home. And the devil goes, oh, excellent. That's exactly where I want you to be, because <laughs> if I can get you, so that you know, that's how the that's how the uh, the lions in Africa they work the herd and work the herd and work the herd and try to get the weak one to leave the herd. The lion goes into the herd, he'll get killed. So what he does, he work they work the herd and they wait for the weak one to come out, and then they devour that one. But if you you watch those shows, National Geographic shows. I don't care what herd it is. It's like if the, if the lion went into the herd, they, that lion would die. They say the wild, the wild dogs of Africa. Who let the dogs out? The wild dogs of Africa. That a lion can kill a wild dog of Africa. Boom, like that. It's like a snack. Boom, like a puppy snack. But as a, when, the, when the lion comes up on a pack of wild dogs, they will, they will devour the lion like that. This is why unity is so important. We think unity is like, unity doesn't mean that we all are best buddies with everybody.
1: Amen. <laughs> I just, I'm in unity
0: with everybody because everybody's my best friend. <laughs> no, it's, unity means that we're together. Unity means, unity is like, you know, husbands and wife are not always just, I know, referencing in our house is such that we just float around on clouds. Birds flutter in the wind. You know, they come in singing. Yeah. Now, we wake up in the morning, we have little doves hovering above our bed going, <laughs> That's how we wake up. But most people, the other people, their husbands and wives, sometimes they fight. I know it's crazy, <laughs> but imagine every time the husband and wife fought, they had a divorce. Sometimes you're married and you're fighting and you're you're together. Yeah. And uh, I know I was just uh, y'all. I <clears throat> don't want to. I want to keep the facade up there, but we do fight sometimes. <laughs> yeah. What's crazy about our when my wife and I fight? That's when the house gets clean and the yard gets done. So you know, so you you know, you know, Hashem's up in heaven and he says, "Man, their house is a wreck." <laughs> yard, what's going on with the yard? Oh my God. And Gabriel says, "You yeah, know, it's been busy." He says, him fight."
1: <laughs>
0: because when we fight, we stop talking to each other for a while, and I'm I'm in the yard, and she's inside, and then we make up at the end of the day. But the house is beautiful, the yard is perfect. It's true. So they are equipped for the battles of life with the weapons of the Torah. The precepts of Torah which apply to the problems of life give them the means to emerge victorious from the battle. Therefore, each, each wear the Torah at his side to protect him in the hours of difficulty. Verse 9, focusing on the word for ver- in verse 9. Let me, let, me, let me go to verse 9 here. Oop, The verse is apri- Apriom. This word means tabernacle. This is how, it's, how Mayam Loez brings it down. That Afrion, meaning tabernacle, and this is what he says, and I love this. Ultimately, ultimately, I'm paraphrasing here, the purpose of the tabernacle was to house the tablets of Torah. That was the ultimate purpose of the tabernacle was to house the tablets of Torah, and in so doing, provide a place for the Spirit of God to dwell amongst his people, which should teach us a valuable lesson, that without the Torah, and remember the Torah is the law of Moses, it's law of Moses, is synonymous with scripture, word of God, holy word of God, holy writ, the Bible, devoid of that, there is no Spirit of God, so you can, one can say, well, I have the Spirit, but I don't have the Word of God in my life. That doesn't follow what's actually written in the Word of God, which is where you get the Spirit from. The Spirit and the Word of God are actually one and the same. But it, the ultimate purpose is to house of the tablets. Therefore, when we study the Torah and when we become devoted to its lessons, we create a tabernacle within ourselves. When we study the Torah and when we become devoted to its lessons, when we become real disciples, a disciple is someone who studies from their master and then does exactly what their master does. And by the way, in Judaism, studying the master is not as academic as it is in the Western train of thought. It doesn't mean you sit down like in a school and with your, your table and you just take notes and listen to what he's teaching. No. Study is what is he saying, what is he doing, and how was he living? And I'm mimicking that. The, 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 the disciple in the, in the ancient times would literally memorize the exact words that his rabbi would use. And that's why he would say, I'm, I'm saying this in the name of Rabbi Yonatan, etc., etc., etc. That is how precise a disciple was. And so when we're thinking about following God... We, we need not think about it in the Western mindset, but in the Jewish, and the Hebraic mindset, that to follow God is to mimic Him it's in, in His entirety. Yeshua, and Ma'am, Ma'am Loez, uh, on, chapter, on, excuse me, on page 170, has a beautiful, beautiful insight here. It's talking about, it's a, it's a beautiful par- parable, which I don't have time to share in its entirety. But it's talking about the Ark of the Law and the covering of the Ark, which is the parochet. It says here that this parochet that covered the Ark is reminiscent of a woman's veil. Remember that Rivka, when she she found out that this was her husband-to-be walking up as a modest, godly woman, she covered her face with a veil. Right? You could say from that that Rivka wanted Isaac to see her character and not be distracted by her appearance. Instead of a, Like an ungodly woman would try to allure him with her beauty. But instead, she wanted to allure him with her actions and her character. So she covered her face. So it's reminiscence of a, of a woman's veil. A king had an only daughter who was greatly praised for her goodness as for her beauty. Make a veil for her, said the king and his servants. Since she is so lovely and, and loving, better that she be seen through a veil. Seen through a veil. God wants to be seen through a veil. Why? Because his goodness and his beauty is so intense. Similarly, God said at Sinai, So calmly is my Torah and so full of kindness. Make an ark for her. It is fitting that the splendid beauty of my Torah be seen from within the ark. This is why Mashiach Yeshua came and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because when we see him in his manifested form as a man, we are literally looking at the paroket. We're looking... This is why it says in the letter to the Hebrews that the paroket is the body of Mashiach. And this is why it says in the book of Ecclesiastes that the paroket is the clothing, as it were, the clothing of God. So just to fast forward here because we're we're coming to a, a conclusion here. I want to share one more thought, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. That's my first closing.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ma'am, Loez brings down something interesting that the word for Zion is used in verse 11, that Zion is related to the verb zin, which means mark, sign, or, or distinguish. And it means that those who are metzunims, that is, his children. They are his children by virtue of the three signs related to Zion. The three signs being circumcision, tefillin, and tzitzit. A Jewish man, incidentally, always has two signs, two witnesses with him at all times. During the week, he has tefillin and circumcision. On Shabbat, we don't wear circumcision, or excuse me, tefillin. Sorry. We don't wear tefillin. Uh, Sorry. But that's because we have Shabbat, the sign of the covenant. Now, to verse 11 also, it says, Go forth, O daughters of, of Zion, and gaze upon King Solomon, upon the crown with which his mother crowned him, on the day of his betrothal, and on the day of the joy of his heart. So it says here, Shlomo, that is God himself, cannot be perceived by man. Therefore the daughters of Zion are bid to gaze upon his crown. That is, perceive him through, listen to this, this is from the Art Scroll, Shir Hashrim commentary. They have to look at his crown. They perceive him through his earthly manifestation. The crown is the outward symbol of majesty indicating the king's public grandeur. His essence, however, can never be known to those who see him only in public. Thus, it is a simile for, the, for God's earthly manifestation in his humanly perceived deeds. Rabbi Joshua ben Seekning said in the name of Ra- Rav Levi, the tent of meeting can be compared to a cave adjoining the sea when the tide is high water fills the cave yet the sea loses nothing similarly the tent of meeting was filled with the glory of the divine presence and yet the world lacked nothing in infinite presence of the shekinah now what to conclude why do we connect those two things because the tabernacle itself was considered the manifestation of god and yet the world and the universe were still running because everything in the universe runs on God take God out of the picture this is why you can't say that when Yeshua when he was here that he was fully God and fully man because to be fully God would mean that you would take all of Godness and put it in him and extract it from the universe and that would call it an implosion in the universe but Yeshua was like the tabernacle he was the manifestation of God And like the tide, when the presence filled him, it it also filled the rest of the universe. Which is why it said that Torah was made flesh and made his tabernacle with us. But what do we know? What do we know?
2: la 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 di da dai la la di da di la la di da la la di da la la di di la 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 di da di la 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 di da di la 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 di da di